Namaste, everybody. Welcome back to the Level Up podcast. My name is Aaron Petty. I'm a yoga teacher, a teacher trainer, but most importantly, forever a student of this great tradition. My name is Paige Taylor. I'm a yoga teacher, student of Ayurveda, and advocate for sustainable living and lover of all beings. Our goal with this podcast is to dive into how we as humans can live more intentional, ethical and sustainable lives. And also how we can come into harmony with ourselves, others and the earth in the process. And this is our first episode back for 2021. How are you feeling, Paige? Good. I feel great. Ready to get at it. Yeah, me too. Um, We're going to try and be a little bit more consistent this year, but... We are leading busy, busy lives at the moment, so please excuse us if there's a couple of weeks between episodes. Um, we're just in the middle of a lot of things, running a studio, running a teacher training, mm. running a household. All very exciting things, nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so what are we talking about on this week's episode? Self-led practice and sankalpa. Mm. So what does that mean? Mm. Essentially, it's a practice that you lead yourself through. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So unheard of in this modern yoga world. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, A lot of people, I find, really are reliant on a studio to give them their practice. Mm -hmm. And I I think if the lockdowns taught us anything, Mm. (laughs) it's that the studios are so important Mm -hmm. to the yoga culture currently and keeping people accountable. And as a studio owner myself, I saw so many students drop off Mm. through lockdown and not come back. Yeah. Um, So today we really wanted to talk to the importance of learning how to create a practice for yourself that serves you and why that is so 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 important yeah um so it's really how we can empower ourselves to achieve our goals and to become the person that we're meant to be to live out our dharma and i think this is such an interesting funny topic to speak on especially as studio owners because i feel like the most common or i guess it's like quite taboo this topic right like i feel like studios just don't want to hand it out for free um because then their business yeah that's so interesting doesn't really um profit i was talking to someone just yesterday and i was saying oh you know um I'd be happy if someone didn't come back to the studio because I had given them enough information that they could go out and start teaching, or not teaching, but Mm. practicing on their own. Yeah. And, um, you know, that we really do try to empower our students as much as possible to take up a practice, a daily practice on their Mm. own without someone guiding them. And they were like, oh, well, how is that a sustainable business model? How are you going to make any money? (laughs) Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it's not so much about making money. What we're in it for is to teach people how to practice yoga. And the mm. best way to practice yoga is by yourself in the morning or in the evening in silence with no one telling you what to do. It's your own experience. A deep, deep connection to your body and your breath. Exactly. And it's only you that's going to know what is the best practice for you in each moment and each day and what you are working towards. Mm. Unless you develop a really one-on-one personal relationship with a teacher where you can work through that process with them. Mm. But let's be honest, that can be kind of expensive. Yeah, for sure. Um, So yeah, Paige and I are are really big on self-practice. I reckon in the past three years, I've been to about five (laughs) studio classes. Except for mine. Except for Paige's studio classes, but most of the time I fall asleep. Or do your own practice anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Just do my own practice. Um, And then the other exception would be when I'm taking teacher training, like studying on teacher trainings and doing those practices that are part of the trainings. Um, But 90% of the practice that I do is self-led home practice on my mat in our living room. Mm -hmm. Yeah. we have a whole yoga space set up so that every time we get out of bed, the first thing that we see is our props, our mats, our altar, 
um, and everything that we need for practice. So yeah. the the first thought is, okay, well now I'm going to do my practice. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's so so important having having a dedicated space for that. For sure. In your house. Yeah. Whether that's next to your bed and you've just got a little altar with your mat rolled out and your props, whether that's an entire room, whether it's half of your living room where the television <laughs> used to be. <laughs> um, it doesn't really matter, but it's really about creating a space that, that's going to remind you to do your practice. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's two styles of home practice that we want to talk about today. Mm. Um, the first one comes from a yogic perspective. The second one comes from a Ayurvedic perspective. And then on top of that, we want to layer over another concept that holds us accountable to our practice and makes our practice really, really powerful and intentional. But we'll get to that a little bit later. Mm. So first, let's talk about sadhana. Yeah. Yogic sadhana. Um Essentially, sadhana just means a spiritual practice, any kind of spiritual practice. My favorite translation from Denise is daily dedication. A daily dedication mm. um, to whatever you're dedicating yourself to. So a sadhana would typically traditionally go for 40 days. The reason for the 40 days is um, to create habit. And once you've done something for 40 days, you're more likely to continue that habit. Mm. And that, that goes for anything. But today we're talking about practice. So a sadhana would be in the yoga context, a specific sequence of asana, a specific pranayama and a specific meditation. And depending on how much time you have, how much you really want to dedicate yourself to practice, um, where you're at in your life, where you're at in your yoga practice, your constitution, your tendencies, then you would pick poses, pranayamas, and meditations that uh, work best for you. Mm. So for me, I'm quite uh, kapha and feeling a little bit sluggish at the moment. So my morning sadhana is something that's dynamic and uplifting and opening. But then, because I have a tendency to go a little bit too far towards that side and go a little bit too fiery, I do some cooling pranayama and some cooling meditation um, to balance myself out. But I've noticed that the first thing that I need in the morning is movement, mm. dynamic movement. Mm. Um for you, it could be absolutely anything. But if you are at home and you've been to a yoga class, you probably know a few poses. You probably know the different pose categories, forward folds, back bends, laterals, twists, inversions. Um, and if you listen to one of our previous episodes, the one on prana, mm. you will learn about the different effects that the poses have on your nervous system and your energetics yeah so you'd be able to kind of feel okay well maybe it's summer maybe it's winter maybe i need some heating okay well i'll do some back bends mm. bring my energy levels up or maybe your energy levels are really high and it's summer and you do some forward folds to cool yourself down mm. um, maybe you need to integrate then it would be twisting um, expansiveness, laterals, whatever you need. But you'd pick a few poses. And if you only had, you know, 20 or 30 minutes to do your practice in the morning, you would pick three, four poses and just do those same three or four poses every morning. It's really simple. Um, so say you were going to do a cross-legged fold mm. and then a cross-legged twist and then a i don't know something else a standing posture and then you're going to finish in paschimottanasana a seated pose seated fold mm. then again you would pick some breath work some pranayama that would fit that maybe it's just some nadi shodhana alternate nostril breathing 
in through the left, out through the right, in through the right, out through the left. You do that for five minutes, and then you pick a meditation that really resonates with you, whether it's a meditation on stillness, just a meditation on your breath, um, a mantra, whatever that is. Mm. And then every day you do the same thing. Yeah. Um, and then the second way that we can approach this is more the way that Peiji approaches this mm. because I'm, I've, I've always done asana pranayama meditation and, and that's always been my practice. Mm. Peiji has had a different experience and the more you're learning about Ayurveda, what is it called? Dhinacharya. Dhinacharya. Mm. Um, she started to incorporate Dhinacharya. So maybe you could tell us what that means. Yeah, so I guess Dhinacharya is just like um, an Ayurvedic perspective on daily routines pretty much. And the Ayurvedic perspective is that, you know, nature has these rhythms and these cycles. And by creating specific routines in specific seasons, um, dependent on your constitution, um, it really speaks to aligning yourself and balancing yourself in alignment with nature. And so you would have like a morning routine, mm. evening routine, yeah. and they may change during winter, summer, autumn, spring. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it, there's there's so many different things um, within the Ayurvedic perspective. You can consider a sadhana and, you know, for example, it might mean like you wake up in the morning, um, you try to get up at 6 a.m. because that's when you know um, vata time is ending and kapha time is starting. So if you are getting up a little bit later than 6 a.m., you may be feeling a bit sluggish, a bit lethargic. Um, So maybe it means that you try and get up at 6 every morning and then the first thing you do is um, scrape your tongue. If you haven't taken up a tongue scraping practice, you should definitely do that. Um, and then maybe you oil pull, you put some oil in your mouth, like sesame or coconut oil, um, really works to get the bacteria out of your mouth. Um, and the Ayurvedic perspective is actually not to swish it around, which has been really interesting. My Ayurvedic teacher keeps telling me not to swish it around. And it's more like a lubricating of your facial muscles and your jaw Uh muscles. And it more so works, A, with the teeth and the gums, so like the antimicrobial properties of the oil. But also it's like anti-wrinkles and like plumping of the face, lustrous skin. You do have lustrous skin. (laughs) Um, And then maybe you brush your teeth. Um, This is just my kind of routine. Um, But it also really depends on, yeah, constitution, season, um, and how much time you have. And then um, boiling the kettle and either having like a, an Ayurvedic tea or just some hot water, hot lemon water maybe. Um, and then after that, you know, doing whatever you, you feel like you need. And sometimes for me that is some asana and some pranayama meditation. I always try and have like a – I was reading in a book recently and she called it a sacred sit. And I really mm. like that, Mayatwari. Um, because it's not necessarily saying it's a meditation and it's not saying you have to do a half an hour meditation every day. It's just like you sit down um, and wherever your day takes you in that kind of meditative or you know pranayamic state, um, you just allow it to. And so maybe that's five minutes. Some days maybe it's 30 minutes where you just sit in silence with your breath. Um, maybe you do a specific technique or maybe not. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, asana and then, um, well, my favorite thing that uh, like Ayurvedic, um, sadhana really speaks to is these sadhanas of, of sound and sadhanas of food. And so sadhanas of sound being, um, using our voice, using our, um, breath to create sacred sounds pretty much. And this, lady that i read a lot of mayatwari speaks of the sudden of sound being chanting mm. um and that's something that's you know often incorporated into yogic sudden like you said mantra uh repetition but also just like the chanting of um mantras when you're cooking is also really mm. really incredible um yeah just like keeping mantra happening mm. in the background all the time. Just to make sure that what you're doing, whether you're cooking, cleaning, whatever it is, you're bringing that 
sacredness, that purity into mm. that action. Yeah, and you know, they say that these mantras um, we often speak about are not pointing towards um, specific, specific things. Like if I was to say Aaron, you would imagine Aaron um, in your head, but more so the mantras are a, an expression of what they are that makes sense so when we are chanting to Ganeshra when we're chanting the Gayatri Mantra we're not chanting pointing towards something we are chanting that mm. yeah we are invoking that within us and within our lives um, and the book that I am reading currently um, is has spoken a lot to this and the healing powers of, of chanting and mantra and even if you're not chanting just like listening to the mantras mm. and you know they're at this vibrational frequency of you know the gods or the deities or um, specific consciousnesses. And um, it's a word now. <laughs> and um, by aligning yourself with that vibration, it automatically lifts yours because, you know, you've got your nadis, your, your channels within your body, and then the prana vibrates through those nadis. Mm. And by, you know, aligning yourself with those frequencies, you're aligning your prana, and that is what really allows deep, deep healing within your body. For sure. So... Um, sadhana doesn't have to be yoga practice doesn't have to be just on your mat mm. just sitting for you know 45 minutes just when you do your yoga class for 60 minutes on a mm. Wednesday afternoon that was really liberating when I when I discovered that I really felt empowered to incorporate sadhana into every single moment of my life. Yeah. And I guess I always thought that I had to go and sit on my mat for 60 minutes yeah. um, and do my practice. And then that kind of, you know, creates this rigidness. It creates this strictness, um, which I didn't really resonate with at the time. And then I w would end up not practicing at all because I was like, well, I don't have the 60 minutes to sit down and do my practice. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I, I think that there's something to be said around your practice being very feminine and intuitive and you've got these very soft practices in the morning mm. of just rubbing your body and mm. you know oil pulling and sitting quietly with your tea and then my kind of entire life is like that yeah and so a more rich practice is more necessary for me yeah um so it's it's an interesting thing to be said because a lot of the time what's happening in a yoga class when you go and see your teacher in a studio is that they are imparting their practice onto you. Yeah. And any good yoga teacher is a yoga teacher who practices yeah. and they can only share from their own experience and their own practice. Yeah. So really what they're doing is giving you the experience that they've had in their own practice. Mm. So... I think it's really important to start to develop practices that you can take out into your life and take out into your day. Um, if there's some asanas that you love, do those asanas. If there's some pranayama that you love, do that pranayama. If there's a meditation that you love, do that pranayama. Um, if there's a mantra that you love, chant that mantra all day. Mm. Chant it while you're doing your emails in the mm. back of your head. Yeah. Chant it while you're on the train. Chant <laughs> it while you drink your coffee in the morning. Yeah. Um, and really what we're trying to do is bring that clarity of mind that we feel in our yoga class or our yoga practice into every single moment of our day. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. So the next thing that we wanted to move into was how can we make our practice more powerful? Mm. And I think just before we jump on into this, um, just speaking on this whole self-led practice thing, and I, you know, I say it often all the time, but in case you haven't heard me say it before, I'm going to say it again. Um, like a 200-hour teacher training is one of the most powerful tools um, if you really want to dive deep into self-led practice in terms of, um, I guess, understanding the knowledge and understanding the philosophy behind why we teach yoga the way that we do um, and the energetic and physical effects of different poses, different pranayamas, different meditations, like you just said. Mm. I feel like for me, 
as I before I did my training I wasn't really an intuitive person so I did find it really hard to do what we're kind of speaking of right now and just like pull a few poses and uh just do them when I when I can but um I'm quite a logical person and once I did my training and there was no desire behind it for me to be a teacher I just ended up happening a few years later but um when I did my teacher training I did it from a place of really really wanting to understand the theory and the knowledge behind yoga Hmm. I just think that's a powerful thing to add yeah for sure and the more knowledge you have the more empowered you are to practice the more empowered you are in your practice yeah and that's really what we want that's why we're doing this podcast that's why we share so much online Mm. we want to get the knowledge out there so that people are empowered to practice on their own Mm. and then they won't need yoga teachers anymore (laughs) yeah and if we could get all that knowledge out into one podcast we totally would but you would be sitting here for 200 hours (laughs) longer it's like many hundreds of hours many but yeah i just wanted to put that out there and you know our our trainings really cater to that deep dive into self-led practice and deep dive into your own unique needs um as an individual for sure and then even if you're if, if you're definitely not interested in teaching and you want to become just empowered to practice, mm. you could do a shorter training. Like we offer yeah. a couple of 50-hour trainings, one in Hatha and one in Yin. And that kind of a training, often they are open to dedicated students. Mm, for sure. Um, so if you're just wanting to learn more about how you would sequence poses, how you would start to put together a practice for yourself, then maybe consider doing mm. a training like that as well. Great idea. Um, All okay. our trainings are on our website as well, if, if any of that spiked your interest. <laughs> <laughs> that may or may not have been an ad placed Secret in ad. the middle of our podcast. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So what is Sankalpa? Sankalpa is what we're talking about next. <laughs> um, and Sankalpa really just means a resolution, kind of like a New Year's resolution. You've probably heard it like name dropped in some yoga classes if you've uh, if you practice in a studio. I used to hear it all the time. Yeah, if so you have a sankalpa, you can invoke it now, <laughs> something like that. But it it seems like this really mystical, like non tangible thing. Well, that that was my experience with mm-hmm. the sankalpa when I first started practicing. Anyway, um, but we're here to tell you that it's not. <laughs> yes, for sure. So sankalpa is an intention. A deep intention that's formed in your heart. It's a way of us verbally expressing our heart's deepest desires Mm. and make them into something that's tangible Mm. that we can move towards through our practice that we can begin to cultivate in our lives. Yeah, beautiful. So it's less so about what your mind wants for you mm. or what you think is good for you, what what you think society wants for you or your parents want for you. It's about what your soul wants to express within the world. Mm. How do we know that? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to listen. Mm. Um, so Sankalpa really is like to find it, we have to learn how to listen and and I think in the beginning that just starts through practice. So maybe your sankalpa is to listen mm. to your inner guidance. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think that's a really great way to kind of frame this up is that, yeah, there needs to be some kind of deep connection to yourself, deep connection to your body and your breath. And yeah, this inner guidance, this intuition. In a teacher. <clears throat> in order to even form a sankalpa or even know what, what it is that your heart truly desires. Mm. And I think we'll talk to, just thinking, we'll talk to the four desires next episode. Cool. And they are a, a series of things that we can look at that can start to lead us towards Sankalpa. But mm-hmm. we'll leave that for next week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think right now, just talking about the power of intention, um, we can create a little sankalpa or a little intention for every single day or everything that we do um 
So the difference between an intention and a goal, I think we've spoken this about this maybe before maybe. on the podcast. Um, and it's really just the fact that a goal is something that you want to achieve or do or, or grab, usually through ego. Mm. You know, you want to lose a certain amount of weight or you want to earn a certain amount of money or you want to get this many Instagram followers, whatever it is. And then an intention is like a starting point for that manifestation. Yeah. So if you are not so connected to that inner teacher, your inner guidance system, your intuition, your soul, whatever you want to call it, your intention could be to to find clarity. Yeah. Yeah, to develop the capacity to listen. And that way you can meet each moment through that intention. Mm. Yeah. And slowly your actions will begin to align in such a way that allows that intention to manifest a specific um, thing into the world. Yeah. And so Sankalpa is really specific. It's super specific. Yep. Um, but only when we have contact to that part of ourselves. Before that, it can be kind of elusive and kind of... Um, vague. Yeah, vague. More of an intention than, than a specific goal. And a lot of us have been taught to set goals in a really ego-based vapid sort of way mm -hmm. so this really asks us to take a step back learn how to live intentionally and then once we have that deep intention for our life then we can set goals that are in alignment with that attention because really at the end of the day we have each of us has a finite amount of energy yeah unless we're really tapped into the soul um and with that finite amount of energy, we can only do a finite amount of things. Yeah, we can give our attention to a finite amount of people, whether it's five close people. We can give a finite amount of our energy to our work, to our business, to our lover, to nourishing ourselves, to our practice, whatever that is. So we begin to prioritize what we give our energy to mm -hmm. through this sankalpa so that a practice done from the space of sankalpa will emanate out into our day mm. so that again every action becomes the result of that intention Beautiful. Mm. And that intention is a really powerful thing when we when we start to work with Sankalpa and, and we start to work with incorporating that into our daily practice. It no longer becomes just a practice just for the sake of practicing. It becomes really, really intentional and it helps us to always align ourselves with our true north. So, you know, whenever you get a bit caught up in your head or <coughs> maybe you watch the news or listen to the radio or something and your mind starts to go a little crazy or a little um, chatty. <coughs> we use this practice and this sankalpa to bring us back into alignment with our heart, with our heart's deepest desires. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many people that maybe know what they're trying to do and they know what they're trying to share, but they don't have this systematic approach yeah. to it. And you can kind of end up not achieving the results that you expect out of yourself. Yeah. So this really serves to keep us on track and on purpose. Yeah, not just beating around the bush always. Yeah. Procrastinating. <laughs> so I guess some takeaways from this. Number one, develop a practice. Mm. A practice for yourself, just for you. Um, whether it's a morning practice or an evening practice or even better, both. Yeah. A sequence of things that you do in the morning, a sequence of things that you do in the evening. And then those sequences, number two being what serves you, 
and your specific situation. So whether you take the yogic approach to sadhana or the more Ayurvedic approach to sadhana, being asana pranayama meditation or daily habits that you Mm. can integrate into your life. Or maybe both as well. Yeah, yeah, maybe both. I have a few Ayurvedic things that I do in the morning, tongue scraping is about it yeah <laughs> some warm water if i'm lucky <laughs> coffee <laughs> coffee <laughs> i don't know if are you baby no, no i don't think so especially not pitas um and yeah then then really committing to that mm. and even if your your systematic approach is 20 minutes where you just sit and experience or move intuitively Mm. that's fine as well perfect as long as there's the 20 minutes set aside for it you know you can you can structure in fluidity yeah you can structure in creativity yeah um it's just finding a nice balance based on where you're at i need a little more structure page needs a little more fluidity yeah you might need one or the other depending on yeah who you are what mm. you're doing um then the second takeaway is having a deep intention behind what you're doing knowing why you're doing it mm. developing the capacity to listen deeply to the highest part of yourself and what it wants to share yeah and approaching your practice from that place so that it leads into the rest of your day just know that we are always here (laughs) and if you're wanting to develop a personal practice and you need a little bit of help just reach out to one of us. Yeah. Uh, we'd be more than happy to help you. And even if it was you put something together and we just have a look at it and yeah. we can say yes or maybe change this. Yeah. Um, also, we could tee up something one-on-one and help you write something. Yeah. So that you do have that deep understanding of why. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what a good teacher does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. And it can be hard to know what you need. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's nice to just have a, an outside opinion. For sure. I mean, it's so often like what you want is not what you need. Yeah. Yeah. And, and being able to see that from the from a witness perspective is very challenging sometimes. Maybe it's easy. Yeah. It can be difficult. Mm. Um, and often also, as we've spoken about before, we tend to move towards the things that pull us further out of imbalance yeah so maybe it's doing something that's a little bit uncomfortable for you and and using that discomfort to facilitate growth yeah that's a big one yeah it's really just you need to practice Mm. you need to practice and you need to create a practice for yourself don't rely on a teacher don't rely on a studio your practice is in your hands your life is in your hands and at the end of the day you can listen to as many inspirational podcasts as you (laughs) want but it's up to you to sit down and take the action towards where you want to be and what you want to cultivate in your life yeah and it's sankalpa that's going to hold you accountable so how do we use sankalpa in our practice Mm. we need to give it form yeah and so really with this, it's like you you really need to think about and feel into what it is that you want to manifest in your life within the next 6, six 18 eight. months. Just like really feel into something that you want to call in. Hmm. And you want to give it a voice. Yeah. Give it a voice in... The kind of way that you would describe it to someone mm. as if it's just happened already. Yeah, beautiful. As if it's it's already happened. You create a phrase in that kind of tone. I have, not I will. Mm. I have done this. Yeah. I am doing this. Yeah. Um, I have created this. Maybe an example. Um... I got nothing. What's yours? <laughs> um, <laughs> My recent uh, yeah, sankalpa like was one. around um, 
creating our 200 hour teacher training yeah and i didn't really know that that's what it was meant to be the specifics of a 200 hour training until i was about halfway through or a third of the way through the sankalpa and so the words that i chose was i create life-changing trainings that empower people to remember their true nature and life purpose mm. And that was reflective of what I wanted to share. I knew I wanted to share deep, immersive experiences with people. And I wanted them to impart on people that experience of their true nature and the discovery of their own life purpose. Because that's what the practice had given to me. Yeah, beautiful. And so throughout, it took 18 months that I was working with this Sankopa and it blossomed through my various practices that I used with it um, into our 200 hour yeah. training, which is like a three month full time or part time training. Yeah. Um, so essentially what I did was I came up with this phrase, I create meaning that that's what i do yeah life-changing trainings that empower people to remember their true nature and life purpose and that second part is kind of vague Mm. it's kind of there's not much um physicality to it so it left an openness for something that deeply aligned with that statement to manifest yeah and so over the 18 months that i worked with this i kept following it through each action that i took Mm. every time i sat down to work um i sat with this sankalpa and i said okay well how can i best move towards this statement Mm. in this moment um and we went through the process we put together the syllabus we you know wrote the manual we found all of the students <laughs> and then it must have been bang on 18 months um that we started our 200 hour training yeah. and you know it was such a surreal feeling to move to the end of that sankalpa um prior to that sankalpa my sankalpa was teaching yoga some supports me financially yeah Teaching yoga supports me financially because at that point I was working various other jobs to try and move into teaching yoga full time. Mm. And what I needed was that financial support. Yeah. Um, so the intention of my practice was to move me into a place where I could make what I was doing through yoga financially viable. Mm. And there's been so many examples of people using sankalpa in this way it's it's a really really powerful tool and it really comes from listening to okay well what do i desire in this moment yeah to cultivate for myself mm. um and my first one was around you know stepping fully into my teaching as a career and as a full-time thing and a serious thing <laughs> Um, and then my second one was around really refining what I'm teaching, yeah. how I'm teaching it, why I'm teaching. Beautiful. Um, but maybe yours has nothing to do with yoga. Yeah. Maybe you're not a yoga teacher. In which case, you could use Sankalpa for a relationship, like manifesting your perfect relationship, someone who loves you dearly mm. and really cares for you and treats you the way that you want. Maybe you're a teenager and you just want to move out of your parents' house. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe it's like I live alone in a (laughs) spacious, comfortable place. Mm. Um, Maybe you want to transition to being a vegan or maybe you want to... 
I don't know, learn an instrument <laughs> so that you can share sacred sounds with people. Yeah. Maybe you want to connect with people on a deeper level and, and you want to manifest a really solid friendship group that, yeah. that really resonates with you and, and want to share in your experience. Mm. There's so many different paths that you could take. But the power of Sankopa is that of the magnification of your energy. Just like a magnifying glass, you know, in the sun, lighting something on fire. Sankopa will really uh, hone your awareness and your energy into a specific point in your life and set that on fire yeah. so that you can, can really flourish in that area of your life. Yeah. And in the way that Sankalpa works and the way that we use Sankalpa in this context and in this context of sadhana and, and daily practice is, you know, uh, in terms of this yogic sadhana, right, we, we do our asana, we, we do our pranayama, we do our meditation, all that kind of aligns with our Sankalpa, all that kind of aligns with this intention. And through this, we're purifying our body, we're cleansing our mind and quietening all the thoughts and the chatter. And, at and it's the, most of the time that chatter that tells us that we can't, we can't do what we're trying to do. 100%. And, and the way that we use Sankopa is, you know, we do this practice and then right at the end of our meditation practice, before we come out of the practice, we repeat our Sankopa. Um, internally several times and, and the way this really works is is because we're in such a inward state because our mind is so quiet placing us our sankalpa in into our practice into our beings at this moment really works with our subconscious beliefs mm. it really works with whatever we f whatever is kind of holding us back and don't quote me on this but i'm pretty sure Kalpa means seed. Mm, right. Similar to bija. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's to plant a seed in your awareness, mm. to plant a seed in your mind, specifically in the subconscious mind. Yeah. Because that's where all of our beliefs lie. Yeah. And if you believe that you can't do a specific thing, like for me, it was, well, I can't teach a 200-hour, I don't know enough, Yeah. whatever it was, you come to a place in meditation where you're open enough and your mind is quiet enough that you can rewrite your belief systems. Yes. Um, and then we bring the Sankalpa in. We say, okay, well, I am cultivating this now. Yeah. And this is my reality now. Powerful. And you'll be surprised how quickly that reality manifests. 100%. And it's then your everyday life. And you have to figure out how to fit everything else around <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's where we're at at the moment. Yeah, for sure. Um, the product of my son Culper has <laughs> taken over our lives. <laughs> we don't have any time or energy for anything else. It's perfect. It's the way it's, it's meant to be. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly what I wanted. Yeah. Um, so it's really just listening. How can you listen to yourself through meditation? And it's really like that's all it comes down to. Yeah. You have to practice. You have to meditate and all of this will begin to unfold mm, for you. Yeah. And if what we're saying seems a little overwhelming, a little far out, my advice would be just to practice. Mm. And maybe that means practicing with a teacher if you're quite new to yoga or meditation. Yeah. Maybe that means being guided just so you can feel that in your body so you can experience this state of peace and calm within you so that you know what you're working towards when you start uh, practicing by yourself and maybe your home practice is every morning you get up and you do a 20 minute class on youtube yeah you know and then from that 20 minute class it takes you into shavasana and in that shavasana you experience the stillness and the fullness of yourself mm. And then you can start to listen to, okay, well, what do I actually want? Yeah. Because I think a lot of people don't even ask that question. No way. What do I really want in my life? And if they do, it's so clouded by all these external factors. Yeah. It's only when people do really tap into that stillness. And, you know, maybe that's through yoga and meditation. Maybe it's through, you know, gym or something, some other thing that keeps people's minds, I guess, a mm. little quiet. 
um, that people can actually really tap in and, and ask themselves, you know, what is it that I really want? Where where does my energy want to go? Where is my heart leading me towards? We had a session, part of our 200 hour last weekend, and it was a very powerful session. Mm. And I, I posed a question to the group and I just said, what is something that you really want to share that you've always wanted to share? And then I said, go away and come back with something that you've always wanted to share. And a few of them kind of said to us, oh, I've never been asked that before. Yeah. Meaning that I've never asked myself that before. Mm. And that's crazy to me. Um, we are all here specifically to share something very, yeah. very specific and very, very beautiful. Our unique expression of the self. Yeah. And so it's really important, especially as we move deeper into yoga practice, that we start to ask the big questions. Mm. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? So maybe if you've never asked yourself a question like that before or you've never allowed yourself to stop thinking and feel into your heart um, and what lies within it. What is your heart's deepest desire? What is your heart's deepest desire? Take some time. Maybe, you know, pause the episode or after this episode's finished, we're almost done. Um, take some time to sit, feel, and journal. Like journal whatever arises from you, and and maybe it makes sense, maybe it doesn't. That's okay. That you know, the first time you ask yourself this question, it's never gonna make sense. Like I, I was saying on our teacher training weekend last week that, you know, when I was really young, I wanted to be a doctor because I wanted wanted to help people. I wanted to, mm. you know, help people heal themselves. Um, and then I couldn't deal with injections and I couldn't deal with blood. And so that dream kind of like went out the window. Um, And then from there, I decided, oh, I wanted to be a primary school teacher. I really want to help these kids and, you know, bring the the next generation up into this really beautiful and peaceful world um, and set an example for them. And then I was on that path, but it didn't really align completely. And that's where I fell into yoga teaching and now into Ayurvedic practitioner studies. And, you know, for me, that that desire of wanting to help people, wanting to help people heal themselves and wanting to empower people with the knowledge they need to heal themselves and to find balance within them, that's always been a part of me. But but it's just taken some weaving and some moving to really find how it aligns in my life right now and how it aligns in the bigger picture of things. Mm. And it's a long process to uh-huh. find that. For well, sure. It's been years since yeah. you've been on this path. 100%. Good on you. Yeah. Thanks, babe. I'm proud of you, Pagey Pants. <laughs> Getting there. Um, and then, as I said, in, in our next episode next week, we're going to talk about um, four specific desires that all humans have and yeah. how we can start to bring that map into our sankalpa and and our deepest intentions for our lives at the moment Mm. um and it's a really really powerful map and i'm super excited to share that with you guys but for now you're gonna have to wait a week i reckon like even if the podcast episode's already out and you're just gonna straight away listen to it don't like seriously take some time and and sit with the information we've given you today and it might seem like the skeletons or the bones of where we're getting at but really you know put these really simple practices in place see if you can yeah just get up and do 20 minutes of breathing or or a 20 minute meditation on the stillness of your body your breath your mind um and sit with that that question of what is it that your heart's deepest desire wants and then maybe after a week or so come back and get ready for the next episode the other thing i would say would be um take inventory of your life currently like Mm. is your job serving your highest purpose yeah is your relationship serving your highest purpose yeah really as you ask the question what does my heart truly desire is the life that you're currently living completely aligned to that Mm. and it's okay if it's not a hundred percent and it's those things that don't align the relationship that doesn't serve you the job that's mindless and you're contributing to the degradation of environment (laughs) um 
you know, it's those things that lead you towards the thing that's really going to light you up and really going to fulfill you and really going to make a huge impact on everyone that you come into contact with. 100%. So it's time to ask those questions. If you haven't already, go and ask yourself the big questions. Mm -hmm. Who am I? Why am I here? Yeah. Two biggest questions you can ask yourself. Hmm. And please, please reach out if you need to share or you want to talk about it. Please reach out. We're, yeah. we're always here to chat. We love hearing from you guys that listen to our podcast from all over the world. It's so, so, so beautiful. We love a voice message. Yeah, we do love a voice <laughs> message. <laughs> okay, well, that's it. Thank you, as always, so, so much for joining us. Uh, we really, really appreciate you guys listening and taking so much time to be here with us. If you got something out of today's episode, all that we ask is that you go ahead and share it with someone that you know, someone that you think could benefit from it, or share it on the internet, yeah. and maybe someone will see it and decide that they want to listen. Yeah, for sure. Um, we also have an online yoga studio and we upload four new classes every month and these reflect the four pillar system of yoga that we offer at Level Up, Solar for energizing, Luna for grounding, Yin for relaxing and breath and meditation for really quietening the mind. And this is a complete uh, daily practice that we offer um, that can be modified to suit your evolving needs as yoga practitioner. And the class library is constantly growing and contains our most potent practices. And just on that, if you reach out to us and you sign up to the online membership, we would be more than happy to suggest a practice that you can do daily that might serve you for 40 days. And then in the next 40 days, we can give you a new one. So mm. it's, a, it's a really handy tool that we've created um, for our students mm. to facilitate this process. And on that, if... if you do, you wish that. We, we actually have a dosha and a guna quiz on our website. It's quite hidden though. <laughs> um, so if you do want to kind of um, seek out support to help you find a practice that really works for your unique set of circumstances, reach out and we'll send you the quiz. Um, and then we'll give you a big response of how we interpret your results and um, what practice would be best for you in this moment. Yeah. If you want to stay updated with us, you can find us anywhere at levelup.yoga. Instagram, levelup.yoga. Same on Facebook. Website, levelup.yoga. I think on Facebook it's levelup.yoga.beric. Oh, well, <laughs> type it in and see what comes up. Um, and we also own a small yoga studio in Beric, which is in Victoria, Australia, where we run classes, workshops, and our yoga teacher, pro teacher training programs all from this space. So reach out we want to connect with you we want to hear where you're at we want to know who you are we mm. want to know how much you love yoga mm. hopefully as much as us mm. um and yeah we'd love to talk yeah sounds Om. good Om. much love and happy new year 